It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the Bengals postgame edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor, with Rick Broering as we recap the Bengals. Wait a minute, win? Over the Tennessee Titans on Sunday, 31 to 20 behind an offensive line that featured Larry Curly Moe, <laughs> Shemp, you name any of the uh, any of the stooges, they were in there. And Rick, I got to be frank, they were great. They were great. They weren't just good. They were great. Yeah, it took like that first possession. They struggled for, you know, three or four plays. They had yep. some some screw ups. They made a quick change, put Spain in there and the rest of the game. It was as well as they've played all year. I thought Jay Morrison, my friend from The Athletic, asked a great question of Giovanni Bernard in the postgame Zoom press conference. And it was it was funny. It made everybody laugh out loud. And the question was this. If you ran into Quentin Spain tonight, it made Gio laugh too. If you ran into Quentin Spain tonight on the street, would you even know him or recognize him? I mean, that's how goofy it was. Quentin Spain was just signed to the practice squad Wednesday, just signed to the active roster Saturday. And suddenly in the second series of the game, he's in the huddle playing snaps and played the rest of the way. And I'll be frank, he was fabulous. I see people tweeting about the Bengals need to focus on other positions in the draft now because they've got it all locked yeah. down here with Spain. And I'm like, whoa, hold on, let's yeah. bump the brakes just a you, little you, bit. You know, the good thing, though, from a litmus test perspective for all of this, and they'll get some people back, I think. I mean, there's a potential too. We maybe I'll talk about this of, of Billy Price being traded by Tuesday. Um, you know, Trey Hopkins will probably be back in the lineup. Jonah will probably be back in the lineup. Bobby Hart won't. I think you're going to see some extended Fred Johnson snaps at right tackle. But I think Quinton will be in the mix to play right guard with with Redmond and and uh, and Suafilo and all that. Um, but you're going to get a great lit, litmus test first game off the bye. I mean, if there's if there's one thing today, listen, I you cannot give you cannot not give credit where credit is due with what those guys did today. But you also have to realize, guess who's coming down the road? The the Pittsburgh Steelers right out of the bye. So you want a litmus test for, are these guys really that good? That's a pretty good litmus test. And I don't think you want to have five guys who didn't start the opener. Think about this. Midway point of the season, all five offensive linemen were different from who started in the opener. Four were different from who started last week because of Michael Jordan's illness. Uh, it's, uh, that's just crazy to me. Well, uh, some of us who have been watching this team all year think that has been a good idea, and it was overdue, if we're being honest. You know, I mean, Jeff Jer- awesome. pretty good, but a lot of those other guys, I, I I don't really think anyone should have a job that's coming back from injury except for Jonah Williams right now. Maybe I Trey. Think, maybe uh, Trey. Maybe Trey. Maybe. But, but I thought about right I mean, the way Billy, they Billy, played, Billy, why take any of those guys out unless no, you dude, trade B- Billy Price? Yeah, Billy got a game ball um, from the coaching staff. And, um, yeah, it was hilarious. Was Zach, well Taylor, Zach Taylor talked him up in the post game, and yeah. it was essentially the, the speech was, uh, this is a guy who we have thrown away multiple times and forgotten about, and still he keeps coming back and trying hard and good for him because he actually I mean, played well and saved. But, but you know what? And I will say this, Rick, and it's maybe jumping ahead to where we're going topic-wise and maybe not, but I, I do think that is a testament to Billy because Carlos Dunlap quit on this team. John Ross has quit on this team. I don't want to go to the point of Geno Atkins quitting on this team, but obviously they've decided he's a role player and he doesn't, I mean, when was the last time he affected a pass rush for goodness sakes? I think that was the point of that to some degree of, well, listen, yeah, we did discard this guy and guess what? He kept coming back for more and look what he did today. Good for him. And, and Billy Price has as much reason to be upset about that decision as anybody because he was on the worst unit on the team. And it's like, look, all these other guys stink too. I haven't been good in my limited opportunities, but like, you know, I, I should probably get another shot here. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't think 
backing Billy Price and what he's done so far is really something I want to spend a lot of time doing. No, no, but, no, but, you know, but, but good I, for him. I, I did note the comments from Zach Taylor today. But Skinny, let, let me ask you this, because we do our weekly podcast where we talk about all sports, but we do a betting pick em segment. And when we were doing that segment, we always picked the local teams and the primetime games. And when we got to the Bengals-Titans game, you were confident that the Bengals were going to win this game outright. You didn't even need the points. You said Bengals will win 27-24. Why were you so confident the Bengals were going to win this game? Because I do believe, and, I, and it, it's jibber-jabber, and I, I love that Spectrum commercial. I don't know if you, you don't get Spectrum, probably. I do, but they have a great <laughs> commercial where, where they, they talk about flim-flam and hogwash and flapdoodle, and, and, and it just cracks me up every time. And, and, and a lot of what I hear from the coaches and the players about being close sounds like that, and it is to some degree, but they're also right. They've been really close. And Tennessee, if you look, you can say they're five and one, and yes, they were uh, in the AFC championship game last season and good for them, but their, their, their wins this year really weren't good other than Buffalo and they, they boat race Buffalo, but the first three wins were by a combined six points over Denver, Jacksonville, Minnesota, and they, they, they won an overtime over Houston. So a lot of that told me this isn't a really good team. They were also the worst team in the NFL against thir- on third downs, giving up 61%. The Bengals went 10 for 15 there. One of the worst teams in the red zone defensively in the NFL, ranked next to last, giving up uh, 81% there, and they gave up four or five Bengals chances today. It, it spoke to me more about, I just don't think the Titans are the five-in-one team we, we think they are, and, and everybody looks at them as being the AFC championship team that rolled in, played Pittsburgh last week, and was 5-0, and and man, played Pittsburgh tough and almost came back and won. I really looked at it as they're okay. And the Bengals against okay teams are pretty good. And honestly, I, I know the offensive line was decimated, but I think some of it is, I want to see a Denajai. I want to see uh, some, some new faces because of what you said, you know, maybe these guys are the ones that they get a chance and they do great things. And the other part to it, I think too, is, um, you know, the Bengals have been close against teams of this caliber. So, yeah, I'm no Nostradamus. I, you, I appreciate you giving me credit. I got some credit on Twitter. Uh, Jed Demusi on our segment on the Sports Authority on Local 12 gave me credit. And, and listen, I've been probably wrong far more than I've been right, and I appreciate everybody thinking I was a genius on this. I just think it, it spoke to me a lot about Tennessee's just eh, and the Bengals are close. And I think that's the one thing that validated to me today. Can they beat Pittsburgh? No, not a chance. Can they beat Baltimore? No, not a chance. Can they beat really good teams in this league? No, not a chance. But can they compete and then get over the hump against mediocre to just above mediocre? Yes. And so I think this team has a decent chance to finish with five or six wins with some positive momentum. They're going to get hammered a couple times down the stretch, but not against teams like this. Okay, so let's help fans sort this out. How much – because – the Titans defense, like you mentioned, they're they're really struggling in a lot of ways. But the biggest one is a lack of a pass rush, which obviously helped out this ragtag offensive line. No question. No How doubt. much of this was the Titans defense and their issues rushing the passer versus the Bengals offense doing really good things? I think it's always the combination, but I think it's uh, probably more of the Titans. I mean, they just look, listen, Jadavion Clowney's a name. It's a great name. He sucks. He's terrible. He wasn't very good in Seattle last year. He's not very good now. He doesn't look like he gives a damn about playing the game. He looks very, you know, he just looks very mediocre to less than mediocre. So I do think some of that, but listen, it's also an NFL player across from the that you have to block. And when you got guys off the street blocking, 
at least former front line, front level and NFL players. That's still a tall task. And so, like I said, I, I do think it's a combination, but I think, and I hate to do this because I don't want to, I don't want to piss on this win. I mean, good for them. They, they did a lot of things where you're just like, you know, good for you guys, whether you hate them or not, you also have to appreciate effort and grinding and getting a win like this. So I do have to appreciate that. But yeah, I think some of this is Tennessee's defense and their defensive line is just atrocious. And then that's the thing, like for this Bengals team, any NFL win is a great win and right. they should be applauded for what they're doing. Obviously, I mean, they're Crap, moving they in the, the right direction here if they're winning a game. That's that's obvious. But I will agree with you that it, I don't know if it's the best gauge of how good this Bengals team is because that defense was really bad. And then I think there were some pretty egregious errors made in play calling on the offensive side, which we can get to. No but, doubt. You're talking about Tennessee's play yeah, calling? Yeah, no talking question. about Tennessee's play calling. But sticking with if, the if, Bengals. If they'd, if they'd have run it 73 times, they'd have won the game. But go yeah, ahead. Exactly, yeah. And, and and that's my thoughts as well. But sticking with the Bengals' offense here, I think the one thing that really stood out, once again, was obviously the play of Joe Burrow. But the, the chemistry that he has – with these wide receivers. I, I think it jumps off the page with the guy he was drafted with T Higgins, that, that they have a special connection and T Higgins has the it factor to me. Yep. Like that guy getting there. Yeah, he has it. But even what you see him doing with Auden Tate and Tyler Boyd, like all of those guys had over six catches today. Tate ended up with seven, a couple massive, massive. highlight reel type third massive. down catches for this team it's it's special like they're really building something in terms of that rapport yeah that was one of my three takeaways of, of those contested catches and the effort from those wide receivers and i think it was really contagious i mean i, I mean you can start with that that player the first play uh, to t higgins along the sideline where it looked like i mean honestly like joe was throwing the ball away and i think he probably was i don't know if he'd admit it or not but it sure seemed like he was and, and I, I i said this on the sports authority too um, I, I love to watch offensive line play. I'm a goober and a geek and all that stuff. Uh, and so I, I, I use binoculars to watch it. And, and then I usually follow the ball from there. And as Joe rolled out, um, I kind of, I kind of watched him get ready to flip it away, which I am like in my mind, like that's a smart play. I mean, don't take the sack, just do this and punt the ball. And so at that point I dropped the binoculars and then kind of followed the ball down the field. And, uh, and Paul Daner Jr. From the athletics sits next to me. He's, he's a few seats away. And he and I both at the same time kind of looked at each other and went, Holy cow, he caught that. I mean, that was just a stunning catch because it looked like a throwaway. And I think he just trusted that, T, I'm going to give you a little bit of a chance here. And if you don't make it, it's okay. And then he makes the catch. And then you mentioned Tate, second quarter, third and eight, Bengals driving. He throws it to, to Tate short because of a little bit of pressure. And Tate has to grind his way to get the final, what, you can correct me if I'm wrong, three yards, four yards, yeah, whatever it was. Stretches out. To, and... to get to the first down, then stretched out. And then late in the game, along the sideline, basically the one that sealed it, third and eight, he puts one up against contested coverage and Tate makes the catch. And I think uh, it shows that he's got to trust in, in, in certain guys and some of these guys, and there is a connection there. But also credit to the receivers for making those plays. That, that goofy play for Tyler Boyd that I still don't know how he caught in the middle of the field. Um, that took it down close and, and led to a touchdown. I, you know, he's crazy reactions. There. Well, and, and you always hear the phrase of throwing a receiver open. I mean, Joe Burrow did that, but <laughs> yeah. Tyler Boyd also made a hell of a catch because I don't know if he even saw it till it got to his hands. Yeah, it was all, it had to be touching him almost before he actually saw that. Right. His eyes. I mean, I'm still trying to figure out that that looked like a trick play almost for goodness sake. So, um, yeah, I think the, I think that's a that's a big part of it. I, and, and this is not to besmirch A.J. Green. Um, he wasn't a huge part of it. He actually made a couple of tough catches, too. I thought a couple in traffic stuff. And so I think it's Joe 
realizing I can trust you and 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 good for Auden because I think Auden's probably deserved more of an opportunity. Zach Taylor talked about that in the post game that he, he didn't realize that they really had not thrown the ball to him much and wanted to get him a little bit more involved. And guess what? Then when you produce like this, the trust factor from everybody grows from the coach to, to, to the, to the play caller, which is the coach to the quarterback that, uh, listen, it's third and six and I've gone through my progressions and oh my gosh, Auden's covered, but man, Auden makes plays. Go make me a play, man. And he did. And, and T did. And it's funny. I, I think you used the word dynamic with T and correct. I mean, what, what word did you use with T dynamic? Did you use dynamic? I had mentioned the chemistry that he had with. Yeah. With I, I just guys. I, see the funny part for me is I don't find T dynamic. I just find T reliable. Yeah, tough. Um, tough to me would be the thing I think about with. Yeah, T. tough's a better word to me. Dynamics is the guy that 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 has the John Ross potential that actually makes plays that John Ross doesn't make. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, I said. I, 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 I oh, I know it. You're referencing uh, when I said T Higgins has the it factor. And yeah. To me, it's not. It's not that he's as dynamic like you said. It's that he knows like. He's got that big moment feel to him. Like yes, you throw the ball up yes. and he goes up and he snatches yes. it away from a defender. That's yes. the it factor to me is like, go make a play when it's tough and it's contested and not the big flashy thing, but the, the important plays. He seems to yes. be the guy that, no. that comes up with those. That's perfect. And that, that's better said. Um, because if you look, there are certain receivers that you can go at the end of the year and go, man, that guy had 1,300 yards. Then you go back and look and you go, we had a buck 90 here and a buck 80 there and a buck 30 there. And he also had one catch for 20 there. And some of that is def- defense is obviously adjusting. Some of it is just the inconsistency of some guys. T did not have a catch in the first game of the year, Rick. Um, and some of that rookie, not sure if you can trust him. He was coming off some injury stuffs, all that, all that. The last seven games, he's averaging 70 yards per game. Doesn't sound overly big, right? Not a, not a ton, but he's now on pace. If you take the 70 yards per game, extrapolated over the last eight combined with the yards he's got now, which is 486. He would finish over a thousand yards on the year. And I know a thousand yards isn't a lot anymore in theory because you play 16 games, but it's still a benchmark. It's still a really good benchmark. That kid's got a chance, a legit chance. All he has to do is do what he's done over the last seven games, which got a feeling he's going to probably do that and maybe more. And he's going to go over a thousand yards. That's pretty good. It's pretty darn good for a rookie. Um, especially one playing alongside, you know, an AJ Green and a Tyler Boyd who's coming into his own at the same time. It, he's been great. Um, a couple things t- t- from what you were talking about there. You mentioned the word trust with with Joe Burrow and his receivers, and that was my takeaway from today. Is we've talked a lot about how this team doesn't have that take the top off the defense guy who can beat you downfield. But what they have developed into is they have an advantage at size with, with Tate out there and Higgins out there. They are two big guys and go high point the ball. And because Joe Burrow is so damn accurate in the mid range, and now he does have that trust in him. You're seeing him uh, on a tough third down play where guys might not necessarily be open. He's willing to throw that ball into a tight window, say, go up and make a play big boy. And he has the confidence that one of those two guys will, will be able to do that or Tyler Boyd will go over the middle and make that tough catch in a tight window. And that, that trust factor has been huge. I'm going to swallow hard with this because you know how much of a fan of, of Andy Dalton's I was. Cause I, and I think Andy was, was very, very, very underrated and I'll, I'll go to the mats with that. But Joe makes throws that Andy just could not make. Uh, um, and it's those tight window and there's no quantifying factor. I I'm, I'm guessing that, you know, ESPN next gen or PFF or, or, you know, sports science or somebody could tell you why the difference is 
because it's always a subtle difference. But Joe is really accurate because in the in the mid range game because the same things were taking place last year and and some of it's true um, that teams would basically crowd the Bengals wide receivers and go hey good luck throw over the top you ain't got nobody can do it you ain't got nobody can stretch us and so that there's no guy like that this year AJ Green is not that guy anymore might he get deep at some point over the next eight games yeah um, but not on a consistent basis does he fear does do defenses fear him. John Ross doesn't play. T is not really that guy. He's caught a deep ball and he caught a deep ball at Indy, but, and Tyler can catch an occasional deep ball, but that's, that's not their MO. So the thing that has changed in that mid range passing game that you're talking about, and today was clear. They were trying to get it out of Joe's hands as quickly as possible because of the offensive line issues, understandably so. And they still were able to catch balls and complete balls and they were tight plays and contested catch plays. And I think a lot of that goes back to your right to Joe's accuracy on those plays. And that's the difference between Joe and Andy Dalton. And, and again, I have to swallow hard because I love, I think Andy was again, a very underrated guy who people should appreciate way more than they do. And I'm not going to convince you otherwise, because you've already made up your mind people. And I get that. And I'm fine with that, but I'm also willing to tell you that Joe makes those plays that Andy didn't make. The other thing I was going to bring up was, I understand why this staff gave John Ross every opportunity because they needed that role filled for the reasons we just mentioned. They no don't doubt. have a guy like that. And so they, they played him early in the year, tried to give him a chance and he just didn't do anything with it. And it goes back to, you know, Auden Tate was a little vocal about if you're not going to use me, trade me early in the year. He, he wasn't to be clear. He wasn't it, it was his, his agent. agent. His, his, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. But I mean, John has been <laughs> sure, but the, the thing about that looking back is now you see Auden Tate making these highlight reel catches, big plays on third downs. You see him fighting his ass off for yardage on third down and reaching out. And you see him blocking Jadavion Clowney on a running play in the oh, red yeah, zone. Golf. I mean, just doing all the little things and, and being like a, a total team guy, a glue guy and, and a guy giving it his all. And, Meanwhile, he was not getting snaps before or not even being active for games while John Ross was like forgetting what play he was running and not being able to catch balls thrown right to him. I am I get the frustration now looking back on that. You know, I mean, it made sense at the time, but it really makes sense now when you watch what Auden Tate is capable of. And he was having to sit on the bench while John Ross was getting snaps. That's a great point. And um, again, it was not Auden. I don't think Auden's that kind of guy. Um, it was his agent. But still, I get that frustration, too. But I also get what you're saying. I think I want to see some John. I mean, remember last year, those first two games under the first, you know, the first two games Zach Taylor ever coached. You look up, John Ross had 11 catches for 280 yards and three touchdowns. You're like, damn, I mean, this staff's going to get something out of this guy. Yeah. Um, and then it just kind of went south. And maybe it went south with the injury in Pittsburgh where um, he literally almost died based on that injury. Um, and maybe he just, just, it's not been the same. And it has not been the same since. And then, COVID thing with his son and he left this year, the hamstring thing in in, in training camp. Um, and they've obviously decided to move on. I, 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 and, and I, I do wish this Rick, I, I get the league where, you know, you don't need to help anybody else out, but I think the right thing to do at this point is find, find somebody to take the kid for seventh round pick, whatever you can get. There, there's no reason anymore to keep him around. Um, you're not signing him after this year. Even if things went well, you're just not, so what's the point? Do, do what's right by everybody. Go get something for a guy that you've given up on. And that's okay. You've given up on him. I don't blame you for giving up on him. Yeah, you should have. But he, but he's also now a malcontent. He's vocally saying he wants out. And, and that's, you know, fine. That's his prerogative. But 
I think you saw a, a weight has clearly been lifted from this team by getting no Carlos doubt. Dunlap out of the locker no room. Question. Just I think get John absolutely. Ross the hell out of here too. Yes. Who cares? Yeah, He's I agree. Not add anything. I agree, and that's where I can't believe that by Tuesday you don't see him gone. And while Billy Price is not a malcontent, I do think the BJ Finney signing, the fact that Trey will probably be back. I think I think the good thing for them and maybe for Billy too is the last two weeks maybe you've shown the league. Guys need a center. Kid can play, and he can play some guard. This isn't a bad guy to take for a sixth, fifth, seventh round pick if you need one. I don't even know who needs one. I haven't looked deep enough into that. Um, again, not a malcontent like the other guys. He obviously showed he's not by the way he's done things the last two weeks. But, yeah, I think there's some some deals that need to be made by Tuesday, and John Ross is definitively among those deals. Uh, a couple quick things here to hit on on the offense before we wrap it up. I saw Zach Taylor mention – how this, I don't think justifies was the word, but basically justifies Jim Turner's coaching. Validates. and validate, yeah, validates. yeah, thank you. Validates Jim Turner's coaching. And all I could think of uh, was the irony of the fact that he actually hasn't really coached hardly any of these guys. Like, they're brand new, they haven't been around him, and they did much better. I think this speaks to the fact that Jim Turner sucks as an offensive line coach, quite honestly. I, I get your take, I do. But Akeem adenajai has been around the guy the whole time. Um, and he hasn't been playing him for some reason, despite what well, he showed today. Well, dude, but but here's the thing. No offense. He's a rookie six-round pick who has Joe. You're not playing him over Jonah Williams, agreed? Well, that's fine, but you can move him to another spot. I mean, you have Bobby Hart at right tackle. Dude, right or wrong, and it's just not me. I, I keep saying this. It's not me. I don't think Bobby's – but two different staffs have liked Bobby, right or wrong. It's one thing if it's one guy who falls in love with a dude. It's another thing when three different offensive line coaches and two different coaching staffs have appreciated his work, right or wrong. Now, sometimes it is also – I would say wrong. It's not right or wrong. It's just wrong. Okay, but it's not just Jim Turner, Chief. It's not. It, it, there's other guys that have liked him before Jim Turner. Um, I mean, that's just the bottom line. So I, I get what you're saying. Uh, you know, Alex Redmond's been here. Billy's been here. Billy lost his job to Trey, uh, the left guard spot. I mean, I think they, they all fell in love with Michael Jordan. And unfortunately he got sick today. So somebody else got a chance. So I, I know what you're saying and it's funny, but I, I, I think I got to give the, give Jim and, and, and Ben Martin credit for getting these guys ready to play this week on a short notice. I just do. Long-term, you're probably right. Long-term, Jim's a knucklehead. He's a goof. But he's a big guy that that, that likes to um, – uh, he's a guy who's big on liking to cross-train people with different positions, and it worked. Right or wrong, it worked. How, how long had uh, Spain been in town for? I get it. Okay, I'm I just, do. just making sure. I do, but but you know, I, I I get what you're saying, and it's funny, but I, I'm I'm just going to give credit where it's due tonight because those guys played well, and somebody had to coach them to play well. Yeah, I I just disagree that credit is due to them. But Fair enough. Uh, but the last thing I wanted to hit on because we are in danger of just being renamed the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line podcast at this point. I love offensive line play. I don't love it as much as Lap does, but I love it. Yeah, I I unfortunately hate it when we're talking about the Bengals, but Giovanni Bernard has another touchdown. He's 15 carries, 62 yards, had a couple plays in the passing game as well. Including a touchdown. Yeah, three touchdowns in two games without Mixon. Do they need to find a way to use him more when Mixon comes back? Or is this, this just a situation where, yeah, he happened to get the touches because Mixon was out, but Mixon is a much more dynamic player and going to do more with those opportunities anyway? That's a fabulous question because I think it's honestly more 
when Mixon comes back, he's still the guy. Um, but it also shows you how valuable Giovanni Bernard is because he, I mean, he ran for 62 yards into a defensive front that was getting blocked by a bunch of Joes and Schmoes, right? And he had a touch. That touchdown run was great. Spain made a great block. Billy made a great block. Adeniji made a, made a great block on that 12-yard touchdown run. Um, you know, he's it's funny. I, I kind of wrote about this too. I mean, he continues to be the jack of all trades that you really have to trust. Um, you know, Joe Joe's played so much and you want to get him so many touches that Geo over the first 22 games of Zach Taylor's coaching career had averaged five touches a game. Now, that doesn't mean he didn't play a lot. They play him a lot on third down. And they don't play him as a third down receiver a lot of times. They play him as a third down uh, pass blocker because he's so good at it. Uh, and that, and that's that's kind of what his role is, is if Joe's around, you're going to get your third down opportunities and it might be a screen here or an arrow route there or a choice route there or pass blocking for the most part. And you'll get a carry here and there. I just, I mean, Joe is clearly a better back and this is no knock by any stretch. I mean, dude has been great the last two weeks, 174 yards from scrimmage just a dynamic pass blocker. He's so good in pass protection. I, I wish people could appreciate it. They don't, I get it. They don't get it. Um, and so is P Ryan, by the way, P Ryan in pass protection is really good, but yeah, I mean, it's such a good question because you go, huh, should he get maybe 10 touches instead of five? I just think the problem is the workload is the workload. And it's not that you script it out and go, I want to get Joe 23 touches and geo 10 touches. It's, just the way a game develops. And I think Joe's just a more dynamic guy that you got to give touches to Uh great question though, Rick. I, cause I, I, I get it. It's just, I mean, he's touched it 36 times the last two games for 174 yards has been great, but he's the backup. Joe's the starter. And that's just that. Yeah. I think that's well said. Uh, finally, I wanted to finish up by flipping over to the defensive side of the ball. And uh, there was much talk about how much the defense struggled and the issues uh, letting Baker Mayfield complete 22 passes in a row last week. They bounce back. They only give up 20 points. Uh, again, tip your cap for a good showing. But as we talked about earlier in the podcast, I think there were some major mistakes made by Arthur Smith, um, the Titans offensive coordinator, and Mike Vrabel in this game in terms of their game plan. And people are going to say, well, Tannehill threw the ball 30 times because they fell, fell behind 24-7. But that's not the case at all. They came out on their, their first possession and threw it on five out of 10 plays that ended up in an interception. Then they threw it on four out of nine plays or four out of eight plays on the next drive and stalled out with a, a couple incompletions and then missed a field goal. So they fell behind 10-0 in a game they lost by 11 points because they were passing the ball instead of running. And by the way, they averaged 7.5 yards per carry on the game. So every time they ran the ball, the Bengals had no answer. So skinny, I guess my question for you is, did you feel like it was a good bounce back game for the Bengals? Or did you think the Titans kind of blew the game with their play calling? The Bengals did just enough. Yeah. Again, a little bit of both. I mean, yeah, the numbers incredible. In fact, I think Zach said in the post game, their goal was to hold them to 3.7. He said, crazy game. And they gave, we gave up 7.5 yards per, per carry. And, you know, we still win the game and we still hold them to 20 points. Um, uh, there, there was a drive, and you, you can remember the drive. I think it was the drive that made it – I'm going to do this off the time. I had 10-7, maybe 7 – yeah, 10-7, where the Titans ran 10 plays, the first eight of which were runs, and they just plowed their way down the field, down to the Bengals' two or maybe even one. I think the two. First and goal with the two. And for whatever reason, they let Ryan Tannehill throw a play-action pass, and he throws a bolt to the back of the end zone that goes incomplete. And then they give it to Derrick Henry and he runs in for a touchdown. Right. So literally nine of the 10 plays were running plays yep. and the nine running plays were successful. And you're like, 
Why would you even bother to throw a pass? And, and I, I think there was some of that of why would you even bother to throw a pass until they stop? I'm a big, as a basketball coach, it's funny. I, I won a game two years ago, three years ago, Rick, where I literally ran the same play. And I'm not kidding you, 16 straight times down the floor um, where I said, you know what? Until you can stop this, I'm going to keep running it. I'm not stupid. Um, and I mean, not 16 times, but 16 sets down the floor because some were fast breaks, some were defense. So, but I, right, right. I kept thinking, you can't stop this cat. And it's, uh, I was a kind of a high post set where I, we bounce it into a high post. There's a cross screen on the other side and we isolate the guy and go, go around. If you can go around and he kept going around, I kept thinking, are you not going to help the poor guy defend? Okay. If you're not, then my man's going to go score 30 points tonight. Cause he's going to keep going and making layups every trip. You look like at a fourth grade game and they didn't. I thought, okay, I'm not a genius, but I'm not stupid either. You can't stop me. I'm going to keep doing it. And so I'm with you. I kept thinking, man, why are you letting this dude continue to throw the ball, especially with the windy conditions? And I think they affected Tannehill for whatever reason, way more going against it or going with it. It didn't matter which way he was going way more than it affected Burrow. When I was watching Burrow in pregame and he honestly, Rick wasn't very good in pregame. The wind looked like it was really messing with his head a little bit and he kind of adjusted. I don't think Tannehill did. So you're right. I, I, again, I think the Bengals defense did the old bend, but don't break. And some of it was Bates comes up with the interception. Some of it was Guskowski hits the, the upright with a field goal. So there's what arguably 10 points off the boards right there. Cause he hit it way enough from 53 yards out. Guskowski did. It was, wasn't a matter if he had the distance cause he had the wind behind him. He hit the upright or hit the right post. And then the interception of the end zone, there's 10 points. So I don't think they were great, but I, I don't mind Ben, but don't break. And I think some of the fourth quarter was they got up 24, seven Titans marched down. I think for Louie Anaruma, it was like to use up more time than two minutes and 40 seconds and then got up 31, 14 Titans march right back down. Been nice to use up a little more than two minutes and 50 seconds. And I think some of that's on sometimes players. If you're playing some coverage of just keep it in front of you and tackle and you don't, I mean the touchdown that made it what 30 to 20, 31 to 20. Um, and then they missed the extra point. Mackenzie Alexander misses a tackle with the five. Will Jackson misses a tackle with the two. You had it in front of you. Just tackle it. So, yeah, I think a little bit of both. Um, but, man, if it was me, I ain't running Derrick Henry 18 times. Give me another – add another 20 to that total, my friend. I mean, that's, that's a crime against this defense, <laughs> right. especially the way he was dominating. And, uh, you know, when they when they scored that touchdown in the second quarter and made it a 10-7 to game – and you mentioned it was nine out of 10 runs on the drive. I tweeted nine out of 10 runs there on that drive. I imagine we're going to see a lot more of that because, and you should have. And then, you know, the next drive, it was right before the end of the half. So I had to throw the ball a little bit to keep it moving. It's like, okay, that's understandable. But out of the half, they're going to run the ball again. And it just never really happened. And people are like, well, they fell too far behind. And, they were still in the game Not in the really. fourth quarter with like six minutes right. to go. And it's this Bengals defense. Like you're right. getting chunk plays off, off the ground. I just think it was a terrible. I don't know if they over game planned and, and thought they saw something the Bengals were doing and selling out against the run too much last week or what happened. Um, they saw Baker Mayfield complete 22 straight passes and said, well, Tannehill can do that. So I don't know, but they, they had some major errors in their plan of attack today. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I mean, again, how does Derrick Henry only carry it 18 times? And they did do a lot of play action stuff, Rick. And maybe that was the goal of, hey, we know what you know, that we know what you know, that um, we're going to play action more with this because you think you're going to stop Derrick Henry. But like I said, <laughs> I go back to my own coaching. coaching. 
I know that you know that I'm going to call this set. Stop it. The time when you finally stop it, I'll go to something else. But if you can't stop it, why would I go to something else? Right? The Bengals weren't stopping Derrick Henry. They weren't stopping Deontay Foreman. And I don't know who the hell Jeremy McNichols was, but they weren't stopping him either. So I I don't know why Tennessee ever threw the ball. Jeremy got eight on the last play of the game and good for Jeremy. Tip of the cap. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Skinny, that's about all I got. That's all I got. I mean, again, I will leave it with this. They they needed something positive, not not for us, but I mean for them going into the bye week. Because I I truly believe, and you can laugh at it. I can too. Um, I think the organization is still a train wreck the way it's run. But they need they needed this win going into the bye week to at least go. Okay, what we're doing and what we're saying and how we're doing this is working. It's not going to work against Pittsburgh, and that's fine. But then you have four games after that where you can kind of go, okay, you, you got a chance against Washington and the giants and the dolphins and the, and, and uh, the Cowboys to maybe go three and one after Pittsburgh and you go three and one after Pittsburgh, which will probably be a loss. And suddenly you're five, seven and one, not awful. And if you told me after 13 games, five, seven and one this year, I'd have gone, sure. Sign me up. I'm good with that. Well, so yeah, good, good for them. I mean, today was a, Today was one of those ones going into the bye week. You can just go, okay, there was some validation for a lot of things. Let's see it moving forward against good teams. It's probably not going to happen, but good for them. I mean, they grinded their ass off and won a game, and, and that's all that matters. If they end up 5-7-1, and one, I'm going to be pissed off with the way they wasted the first several games of the season, all you. those one-score opportunities, because they'd be competitive at that point legitimately. Um, I, I do think this was a big big win for Zach Taylor. It, it just look it makes everything look completely different That's going correct. into that bye week. And, you know, I don't know that this means he's a good coach and that he's going to keep his job past this year or, or the year after that or what have you, but it definitely does validate some of the stuff. And especially with what was going on with Carlos Dunlap and everything, I think it's just really good from an optics perspective all the way around for Zach Taylor, but the guys in the locker room with the front office and with the fans, this was, this was a big win for him. Perfectly said. I think it's exactly right. Anything else? That's it. All right. All good. Appreciate it. We'll be back. uh, I'm going to say Wednesday. I'm going to say Wednesday, Rick. All right. With Wednesday. I like it. Yeah, I'm good. Wednesday. Wednesday's good. All right. It'll be after the night of Maction. We got a big bunch of Maction on Tuesday. All right. You want to talk about that on the podcast? Tuesday night football. Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. I'm good with that. All right. For Rick Boring, I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for being with us. This has been the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals Post Game Edition.